This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season and she endures perhaps being smacked one night and then she seeks help from the church. There is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus <laughs> and by God's grace it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law and I am tired of communities of faith being weaponized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it. Hi, I'm Nate, producer and co-host on the Full Mutuality Podcast. Let's talk about inequality. It's everywhere. Whether it's rooted in race, gender, ability, or sexuality, there's bound to be an imbalance in power, influence, representation, and access. On our show, we want to explore areas of religion, culture, and society where justice is needed in order to bring about true mutuality. I hope you'll join us for some enlightening, fun, and at times uncomfortable conversations as we envision a world where everyone can live free from systems and structures that keep us from being truly equal. You can find us on your favorite podcast app or visit our website, fullmutuality.com, to find a list of all the platforms we're available on. Subscribe today, and we'll see you on the Full Mutuality Podcast. Before I begin episode two, I just want to take this moment to thank everyone for the response of episode one. Uh, it sounds like people really like Des, and, and that's not surprising. And uh, I really appreciate uh, the people who have engaged and asked questions. And um, there's a whole bunch of people that want to tell their stories about uh, their experiences in schools that weren't APU, that were evangelical all over the country. So season two definitely is going to be shaping up to expand into that world. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to say right up top is in episode one, I told the wrong swastika story. Yeah, there were more than one swastika story. Uh, I told the story about the the students who, I guess someone painted it as a joke, the Confederate flag and swastika, and they drove to, to campus every day for a week. And that did happen. And I, but I think that happened after several people pointed out to me, no, no, the, the swastika story that they were talking about and Des was talking about was a different swastika story. I guess right after, and I, I didn't remember this happened right after the election, just that it was just another week at APU. Um, after the election in 2008, when Obama was elected, someone or a group of people were targeting black students' cars and, and drawing swastikas on them. <clears throat> and you'll hear uh, Daisha in episode three uh, addressing this a little bit, but uh, they actually had to have a town hall meeting and address. And, you know, it, it says something that they had to have a town hall just to reiterate that the school is not okay with swastikas being painted on cars, as if as if that you need to state that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I told the wrong swastika story. My bad. I wanted to do this episode early on in the series, uh, featuring BJ, to dispel the notion that it's only angry, evil BIPOC people who deconstruct because... We hate white supremacist environments and, you know, we, we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater and just leaving church altogether. No, well, we are evil and angry, fine, but there are countless reasons we deconstruct. And note, many of the people interviewed here are still some kind of Christian. 
It's just that they're not the kind of Christian that would be accepted in places like APU and other evangelical spaces, because they're liberal. But today's episode is about a really great, cool white man whose story is easily the most scary. Wait, can I get some reverb? Scary for evangelical schools. How's that for foreshadowing? I regret to inform you, you're on Chapel Probation, a podcast that takes a critical look at evangelical colleges and universities, particularly Azusa Pacific University, where I taught English for 15 years. I'm Scott Okamoto. I'm writing a book about my experience deconstructing all the way to agnostic atheism while teaching at APU. Most of the stories on this podcast have been and will be about marginalized people who dealt with evangelical culture at APU. They faced all manner of racism, sexism, classism, homophobia, and transphobia in a culture curated to be a white nationalist haven. These people deconstructed from evangelicalism in many ways, with some even becoming agnostic and or atheist. But what if I told you that even intelligent, thoughtful white men who faced none of the bigotry or oppression also deconstruct? Yeah, if you know anything about evangelical culture, maybe that's not so surprising. But what if I told you even white men deconstruct because of places like APU? Are you listening? APU can make anyone deconstruct from evangelicalism, not by taking classes with people like me, <laughs> no. It's taking Bible classes. Take some Bible class. no, well, don't. But if you take some Bible classes with actual biblical scholars and see how evangelical theology and culture hold up, the results are not good. This is ironic, not just because APU is known as an evangelical school, the school literally promises an evangelical foundation in its mission statement, its statement of faith, and just about every piece of school information and advertising. For a place that promises a solid evangelical foundation of faith in its education, it seems to turn out a lot of deconstructed Christians and agnostic atheists. And to be clear, with the narrative from evangelical pastors and celebrities declaring that people deconstruct because they were hurt by bad experiences or just want to sin and have lots of sex, I present to you someone who was not hurt by a church or a denomination. He just went to APU. Well, I'm BJ Karlick. Uh, I uh, was in the class of 2005. And I'm, I was a biblical studies major with a minor in psychology and theology. So I'm one of those guys. BJ moved around a lot growing up. His dad's job in corporate America had the family move several times as he grew up. He finished high school in public schools in, of all places, Colorado Springs, a, an evangelical mecca, before coming to APU. I, I didn't know what to expect i i um i had never taken like bible classes in um in public school or anything like that so i was uh on fire the the phrase that we used back then in terms of my um 
what I would have called my relationship with God back then. And I was excited to be on a Southern California Christian college campus. And I just, I, I didn't know what to, what to expect, but as a, as a product of purity culture, um, and I looked younger than, than my age and, uh, just, I, I didn't know how to be a, a college student or, or an adult. BJ's story has to be a worst case scenario for APU. And yet it's a common one, a straight white male conservative who was a biblical studies major with plans to become a pastor is kind of a trademark at APU. That's the guy in the brochure. And yet, like a majority of graduates, according to alumni surveys, BJ is no longer an evangelical Christian. I would describe myself as, uh, as, an, as an atheist or a non-theist um, now. Um, and it's been that way for, for a, a long time, but it was a while before I could like look in the mirror and say that word to, to myself. That word carried a whole lot of, lot of weight. I, I carried around the word progressive or the phrase progressive Christian for a little bit. And then I, I hung on to agnostic for a really long time and nothing really changed. It was just, I like it. I, I don't feel like a final product in the word atheist feels there's something like final and certain about that, that, I, that, and then when I stopped caring about that, it's like, Oh no. Yeah. I, I don't really believe there's, there's um, any sort of, conscious religious being um higher power out there so that that would describe me bj deconstructed all the way to agnostic atheist land and it didn't happen when he went out into the big bad world there's this common critique at apu that graduates go out into the world and feel unprepared to deal with all of the complexities of work and life <laughs> again this is according to alumni surveys I've read while I was there. Here's the thing though. Ready for this? It's not that APU didn't give them enough Bible classes. It's not that chapel three times a week wasn't enough. It's not that faith integration in every single class wasn't effective. The issue is that all these things meant to secure an evangelical foundation are often the very things that begin a person's deconstruction. To the deep thinking, the ethical, and the honest, APU and its programs and curriculum promote deconstruction. There are things in the universe that I don't understand, and it doesn't mean that everything has to have a, well, this is like, like a physical, mathematical, scientific answer, but it was like, yeah, like things do happen that we, that we can't really grasp, and I am so okay with that. And I, th I think at the beginning of my deconstruction, there was, um, you know, back at APU, well, yeah, this, you know, like miracles and stuff don't really make sense. Well, how do you make sense of this? And it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe it does make sense, but not on a level or a plane that we can really understand yet and mix some coincidence in with there and some um, like confirmation bias plus things that we don't understand. And that, I, that's all just really, really, fascinating to me and so i'm i'm pretty open to i don't have any idea of how the world works and i'm and i'm kind of okay with that but like based on what i learned about where not just evangelicalism but 
the entire Christian religion originated based on what I learned from that. It just like, like things didn't really, it made sense how it became a belief system, but it never made sense as to, um, it being actually like true in a physical sense. I'm a super submissive to authority kind of, kind of person. And so I, whatever my professors said was truth to me. And I think, so I think one reason, I don't think I would have deconstructed until way later if I had gone to a secular university. So a lot of people that ended up atheist or ex-evangelical or ex-Christian in any way, or, you know, I, I mean, AP was made for me. I'm, I'm, a cishet white dude. I had a great APU experience. And like it, that it, it was made for me and a lot of people didn't have that experience. But if I would have gone to like the University of Colorado at Boulder, which is, you know, known in the Christian circles as being like a liberal party school, it's actually a really like great academic institution. But if I'd have gone there and if I would have had one of the stereotypical philosophy professors talk about religion, I think I would have had my guard up a little bit. But because I knew um, I'm doing I'm doing air quotes, I guess the video won't be it won't be available. Um, all of my professors were um, Christians, born again, saved, whatever you call it. There was a vulnerability like like I let them in. And so when they were saying challenging things, it like to me, it made sense because, well, it didn't make sense at first. And some classes were pr were pretty scary, but um, uh, I, I was also the kid and I, I can't believe how, how stupid I feel now. Like I think, so I, I had this class called Christian apologetics, my, um, sophomore year and, um, the professor, when we got in there, I thought, Oh, apologetics, that's the defense of the faith, right? This will be, this will be really cool. And I, and the professor of this class said, you know what? Um, I'm going to rename this class. It's going to be called critics of the church. He's like on on your uh, you know on the the syllabus. Um, it's going to be Christian apologetics, but we're going to study critics of the church. And the, and the class was basically each day was um, we had either um, a book or an essay that we were assigned to read for that day or a movie we were assigned to watch for that day. We had to write a two page reflection paper, and then. All 15 of us put our desks in a circle and the class was discussion about that thing. You know, we, we watched or we read, um, you know, Bertrand Russell and we uh, watched Moulin Rouge and Magnolia and Fight Club and, and things like and then we, you know, discussed them. And it was great because I'm a sophomore with mostly like the senior who's who of the religion and philosophy department. I didn't know this at the time, but um I remember they were talking about and they were kind of bashing fundamentalists and I had the courage to raise my hand and say, what's a fundamentalist? I had never heard the word fundamentalism before. And they explained to me, oh, it's, you know, like people that take the Bible literally, like if they say Noah's Ark was this size, that means they literally think the Ark was that size. And I'm like, it not that what everybody thinks? <laughs> and they, they were, no, yeah, nobody nobody made me feel stupid it it was it was it was awesome it was it was it was really great and and um i that was kind of my apu experience is it was like a i i had to i had this 
kind of easy place where we were all decon deconstructing. So it's kind of like a, a safe, I mean, not everybody at APU, but in the, the in the biblical studies department, um, they, they made it kind of a, a, like a safe place. And so, um, so it felt like a, at that time, it felt kind of like a togetherness as my deconstruction continued post-college. That's, that's when the, the, the loneliness of that process kind of, kind of kicked in, but the APU part of it, which is what I have such conflicting feelings about APU because so much of what it stands for as an institution feels like like not very good to me and 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 even kind of gross and i have some some kind of <laughs> like immature embarrassing shame that i that i went to a place like that but also i'm very grateful for the experience that i got there and so i i'm often not sure what to do with those conflicting feelings we can safely assume that the biblical studies prof from BJ's story didn't last long at APU. That department was like a living, revolving door. The turnover rate of that department was as swift as it was violent. Want to have some sadistic fun? Walk into any <coughs> theology or biblical studies department meeting at an evangelical school and shout, Hey, what do you all think of creeds? Or, so, predispensationalism. Or, Women as pastors, go! And watch the male-dominated room dissolve into a fury of patriarchal goo. But I digress. BJ found an openly secret niche of evangelical schools. The people who really read and pay attention to what the Bible says. And equally importantly, what it doesn't say. Most of my students, mostly freshmen and sophomores, took the Bible literally and almost all would have said it was infallible and inerrant. But it was generally the students who really studied the Bible and who had tough discussions about the history and role of the Bible who were often the ones who launched into deconstruction. It wasn't the funny, hilarious, and cynical liberal profs like me. It was Bible classes. I think I had, I've had two deconstructions. I deconstructed my religious faith, which a lot of people, they deconstruct cultural first. They're like, people will say, oh man, I, I think I'm gay and the church doesn't accept that. Oh my good. And, the, and they have like, you know, maybe, maybe an identity crisis that leads to a faith crisis. No, like I at the time that I started my deconstruction, you know, at 19 or 20, um, I liked being in the faith. I thought I had had a really good experience. It was purely academic for me. I couldn't do the mental gymnastics anymore. Um, after, after the years of classes and coursework and being like, you know, and that's why I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I made it. I actually, I was, man, I should have done college. I was I was one of those lame motherfuckers that liked going to chapel. I I I didn't I I worked for chapel programs my senior year. I was a senior chapel intern, and um, but uh, it was it was all like that's why progressive Christianity felt okay to me for a while because it's like okay I don't have to believe this literal stuff. It can be kind of like a way of life, and it can be my culture, um, and then after graduation and not being around um, APU progressives anymore, 
Um, and then being back in Colorado Springs, it just kind of felt like I, after it, it just started feeling like, what's the point? So that was kind of like my first deconstruction, but probably about five years ago, I started deconstructing the culture that I grew up in. I had already kind of modified my political beliefs, but I had thought that I had had this charmed, perfect upbringing and APU was still kind of like a really good place for most people. And when I started deconstructing the the culture and that's when it was like, oh, I have some, if trauma is a spectrum, I have some low end of the spectrum trauma from like being taught about heaven and hell and the rapture and like accepting Christ as a four-year-old. And um, my my dad recently trying to remind me, yeah, I remember you accepted Christ as a four-year-old. And I was like, that's because you fucking told me that if I didn't, I would go to hell. Like, like, what, like, what was I going to do? What was I going to do? Dad? No, I've been reading some Darwin and some Nietzsche. And I just, you know, like I'm starting kindergarten um, next year and this, and I'm too, I'm too old for, for this. No. So just like a, like, wasn't that so great? And, and I'm like, you know, there was a time where I would have said yes, but like, like actually no, emphatically no. If you grew up in a Christian household, you likely had a salvation story that went something like this. Hey, little child, do you want to be good and go to heaven and be with God and Jesus and any dead relatives you might have? Or do you want to burn in hell and be with a scary evil Satan? Now, if any little kid chooses the latter, that kid needs medical and psychological attention immediately because that kid is fucked up. Because for most kids, it's not even a choice. Love, happiness, and family, or burning pain and scary Satan. For a lot of us, the fear of hell was as much a factor in our Christian lives as anything. The most significant step of deconstruction is not letting fear of eternal hell control our lives. So after my second deconstruction, I look back on APU with a lot more nuance. And I almost said negativity, but it's too complicated to just call negative and just like say like they believe these terrible things that I don't believe anymore. It's like, well, it's it's more complicated than that. And I I mean if somebody was asking me if they should go there, um, it's, I, I don't think I would recommend any intensely faith-based university. My favorite sweatshirt to wear around the house is an APU sweatshirt, and I couldn't wear it for a couple of years. And I, it, just because it's the most comfortable one, that's why it's my favorite one. And it's just like, and, and I only wear it in my own home. Nobody sees me wearing it, but like my kids, but it just like something felt like gross about it. And I had to, and it, it sounds so silly, but I had to like, so, so I've had complicated feelings about APU after in my twenties and I'm, you know, I turned 39 in a week in my twenties, very positive feelings about APU because I felt like they set me on that deconstruction path, which I was very grateful for. Um, I, I still get emails from all the departments of APU. I finally... I finally unsubscribed and it's not, I hadn't been like waiting to do that. I just, you just never like take the time to click on it. Like, and I finally unsubscribed 
And I think there was a place where they asked why. And I like wrote a whole paragraph about their mission statement and all of these things that, that I, I just despised about the university and, and, and sent it. And there was something that was so cathartic about that. It was therapeutic to, um, to be able to say, okay, this is what I think. And I like my identity wasn't traumatized by, by you guys. It, it doesn't mean that I like saying something wouldn't be beneficial, but it was mostly for me. Um, it, it, something felt good about that. So if that explains my current feelings towards, um, towards APU, but it's not even because of my experience there. It's because of my experience in that faith and seeing APU through a new lens and like kind of analyzing that after I was there, so. All during the past year in 2021, some big name pastors, I won't name names, took to social media to decry the ex-evangelicals and the movement they seemed to be fostering. These pastors were saying, well, they, those ex-evangelicals just wanna have sex, lots of sex or they had just had problems with specific churches, but they shouldn't turn away from Christianity altogether. You're throwing out the babies with the baptismal waters. They were wrong, of course. Most of us deconstructed because we just can't believe in a clunky, contradictory, and historically inaccurate Bible. We leave the faith because we can't believe that children die due to a lack of prayer, or worse, because of their sin. Or, or even worse, because God wanted them to. It's all part of his plan. Sure, the ratio of self-righteous, bigoted assholes to decent human beings is tough to overcome. But, fuck, give us some credit. It's peak narcissism of evangelicals to think that their church is the only place we can find assholes. The world's full of them. My conscious beliefs changed before my feelings did like um i was i was one of those good kids that actually did follow the rules i didn't i didn't drink until i was was 21 and i didn't go crazy on my 21st birthday um i, I still think it's funny that like alcohol is the first thing that we that we go to in 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 evangelical faith as proof of how good we were um i um i did not um I did not have sex or engage in much sexual activity until way later than I should have for, for my own health. And, and even later than I consciously and cognitively believed it would believe it was okay. Like I wasn't doing things in secret at APU. Like, um, uh, like I, I was pretty much from a behavior standpoint, I was pretty much who I, who I said I was. And then by the time it started ha like happening in my twenties, it was just kind of like subtle behavioral things. And I was still like, I was going out to bars with Christians who were more conservative than, than I was. Um, like I, I, I came back to Colorado Springs and it was like, it's like, Oh, I met up with these folks from from a church here in town like like a young person's group and it's like oh they're they're dressing cool sometimes they say shit and they're drinking wine okay this is gonna this is gonna be like it this is gonna be like a apu and then i would 
say something about like not thinking there was a hell or thinking that it was fine to be gay and they would they would look at me funny and it was like oh it's the it's the same dead theology wrapped in like the current cultural wrapping um because millennials decided that um alcohol and profanity wasn't going to be one of our values even if we were pretty conservative like and i i don't know when that happened but um but that was kind of my experience in colorado Springs. so i'm still going out to like bars with with these people and i started realizing i i didn't know how to be a social 24 year old outside of the the church and i didn't even know that i didn't know how to do that i didn't I didn't know what what people did. Things like things like Tinder didn't exist yet. Um, I was only meeting girls at these like get-togethers with most mostly Christian people, and it would be like, um, "Hi, my name's BJ. Oh, hi, my name's Sarah. God's been doing these wonderful things in my life." And I'm like, "I is that the first thing you're going to say to me?" Like, and I just I and so the more getting away from the church. And not even trying to deconstruct anymore, just the more getting away and realizing how, I'm not even going to say like cringeworthy or gross, but just how odd some of the behavior started seeming to me and how I fit. And because I'm a pretty like, I played sports and I, and I like cool music and I know how to have a conversation. So like, you wouldn't think that some like like i like i i live a pretty charmed life you wouldn't think i had a problem like fitting in or something i had to fit in i moved around a bunch i had to fit in all of us who deconstruct have these moments where we look back at how we used to talk or think and we cringe we cringe so fucking hard it hurts physically but we find our identities and we construct our identities to be the people we want to be And the people we add to our lives, if we do it right, add to our lives in ways that God and church never could. I met my my wife when I was about 25 and we started dating at 26 and meeting a woman who had no connection to the religious faith in Colorado Springs. It was just like, it was, um, it was perfect. It was perfect and i and i didn't and i didn't realize how great that was until probably even years later i mean i fell in love but i i didn't realize how much i needed something like that not just for romance and marriage but just like like a a connection um like that absolutely which has been like 85 percent good and then 15 percent kind of kind of complicated there was it was funny because yeah she went when we moved she is very uncomfortable in in church just because she doesn't know how to act but she wanted to go to church because that's what people did and that's you know they that's that's how you like met people i think she had done like a little bit of campus crusade in college but um but she didn't like still didn't know like the, the stories or anything like that and it, sure. and it wasn't like a way of life and she didn't really know like the tenets of the faith or anything but oh, i kept yeah. being like okay well if we go to church actually in colorado springs i was like you know how we both feel about gay people right and she's like yeah i said well there's like four churches in colorado springs that we can go to <laughs> she's yeah. like okay so i and so we started going to this one united 
Church of Christ, and I'm comfortable enough in church that's like, okay, this isn't a, I can be like cultural here. And yeah. she, we met some pretty good people there, and um, some people I'm, we're still friends with. And she just, she never really liked going. And then when we had our third kid, it was an excuse to kind of not go back. And then Trump gets elected. And then she starts seeing all of these, and, and she's, and she had, not accuses the wrong word she had criticized me earlier saying gosh like why are you so angry about the church i'm like i'm not angry she's like yes yes you are and i'm like i don't i don't know i feel like i don't think about it much and then after trump gets elected yeah it's basically like wait this is what these people believe and i'm like yes this is what i've been trying to tell you (laughs) and she's like oh and now she's like middle fingers up as we drive past church she just she just didn't she just didn't have like like a like an idea and that doesn't mean that like all churches are are that that way but um but 86 percent or whatever yeah and so trump being elected was actually really good for our relationship it wasn't bad before but like yeah i kind of like i've been able to clarify some things yeah and she and she has been more into my faith history than she than mm-hmm. she was um before and i didn't even realize that i needed her to to be into it um until because yeah. because the deconstructing the cultural aspect of it has been in and realizing like the like like oh my goodness i was like this like scared little kid that would have nightmares about like hell and like i uh-huh you know and and that would uh con- continue for for a while and then the um the weight you put on yourself to make sure that your friends are saved but it's the most awkward conversation in the world so it's like yeah. <laughs> um but it's a lot of pressure to put yeah. on kids you know you, you're responsible for their salvation absolutely abso- hell absolutely but no she like that's so it's been that like 80% good 20% hard has really shifted to like 95% good and then the 5% is just she's like I don't get this you need to talk to somebody else about this you know what I mean I'm like that's fine and and I'm now in a place where I where I've almost been able to be um kind of that ear for other people that have started deconstructing and they I, I've had so many people that aren't even like close friends that are more like acquaintances that are like I I haven't told anybody that I don't believe anymore. Ba- basically, yeah. not and yeah, yeah. and it's like, oh my goodness, okay, maybe this is why I need to start reengaging because maybe I can be that person that I really could have totally. could have used. And I deconstructed so early because of what my major was. It wasn't because I was like smarter or like further along or anything. Like it would have been and later. That major for me. was biblical studies. Yes, of all things. <laughs> I, I I have I have a bachelor's degree in biblical, a bachelor of arts in biblical studies from Azusa Pacific University. Right. So, which should which should have just stamped your whole life as a pastor or something. It should have right? been. It occurred to me while listening there that I should have also interviewed BJ's wife. One of the reasons I'm writing a book about all of this is to show how the evangelical world is dangerous to society, and APU being in the academic sector of this world is especially dangerous. Because although a lot of people like BJ take Bible classes and deconstruct, a lot take the same classes 
and go on to love Donald Trump. BJ's wife is like most of middle America in that she didn't understand the urgency of the ex-evangelical message. Yes, we deconstructed and left the faith, but goddammit, this was at least partly because these people are dangerous. We have to stop giving him the benefit of the doubt. We have to see them for who they are. The image of BJ and his wife giving the middle finger to every evangelical church they drive by should inspire us and it should inform the world. That is the correct response to evil. Over 80% of those people voted for Trump the first time and even more voted the second time. Trump didn't use them. They willingly and enthusiastically bought their tickets and boarded the Trump train. They used him. They actively made him their standard bearer because he was and is exactly who they aspire to be. Oh yeah, and then for the people that were, you know, just regular in the house watching TV Christians like yeah. my parents, it was amazing how quickly they went from like Trump is a joke and there's no way he's winning the nomination to like like oh yeah he's not that great of a human being but what a wonderful president oh, wow. you know yeah. you know what i mean like and i it, it it was it was like oh my oh okay okay oh that's that's um that's that's where we are and i think i'm almost the opposite of you like i was I'm similar in that I was perfectly happy not to engage anymore, but is, online is where I found, like, none of my friends that I knew from APU deconstructed all the way to being non-theist. Mm. Most wow. of them are progressive Christians, and so hmm. I wasn't afraid of, like, my beliefs anymore, but I'm like, what, like am I the smartest one here? Am I the dumbest one here? Why is it? Why didn't anybody else go all the way that, that I, that I know? Like why, what's, what's, um, what's wrong with me? And, um, uh, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a fantasy football league with all, with all APU guys and all really, really great guys that, um, most of them were, somewhere in the religion and philosophy um department and um you know for it's it's been in a little over a decade that we've been in this league and it you know it went from it went from email to to text we started before smartphones now it's now it's group text but i remember maybe like five or six years into it like when most of the emails were just like trash talking like idiot dudes do um mm -hmm. I, I i finally said <laughs> i finally it took courage for me to to just say like what do you guys actually believe now <laughs> and and this you know at age like 34 or 35 and it was it was interesting how honest and accepting everyone was and then for some people how it was challenging to get you know a straight answer and not because of them but it's hard to come up with a straight answer for this because it's a very nuanced thing and that and then and it still felt kind of lonely but even though they were accepting there's still loneliness and feeling like okay i'm i still feel like i'm one of the only ones that thinks what i think that came where from where i came from because the 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 people that grew up atheists they're just like christians are dumb and i'm like well no it's more complicated than that yeah, like yeah and yeah. so good 
finding the exvangelical community online. I didn't like make any like friends that I call on the phone from that, but it was like, oh my goodness, there are a lot of people that yeah. are wh- that are where I am, and just that whole okay, I'm not alone. Like felt, and I don't, and I. I left Facebook. I, I don't need to be in the in the group any anymore because I just and I didn't even participate very much. It was just knowing that there was other yeah. folks. Um, when you are, find around. it, it's really comforting, right? To read all the yeah. people's stories and and their observations yeah. and like, yeah, we're not alone. Yeah, and I was I was amazed by how normal some of the extreme stories are, because yeah. my my evangelical story is pretty typical. Like I fit in in public school, like for the most part. Um, yeah. But like some some of the 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 stories that you would think are like odd and niche are more common than yeah. than than you would have thought. And then some of the friends and acquaintances I had at churches growing up start making a little bit more sen- more sense now. But um, yeah, but yeah. So I I have very uh, complicated feelings about APU. Tying, tying that circle back together a little bit. Yeah, no, nicely done. BJ is a straight white male who had everything to gain from remaining inside evangelical spaces like APU. And to his credit, he recognizes the privileges of his identity, and even more to his credit, he followed his instincts and walked away from it all. First the evangelical spaces, then the religious spaces completely. Living in Colorado Springs, which is like a mecca for evangelicalism, BJ would have everything to gain from being in that world. And yet, his sense of social justice, his care for the LGBTQ plus community, and his intellect have brought him to where he is now. It has brought him to a place of happiness and fulfillment. But he's proud. I want. I think I. I do think I was in a bubble. Like I do. I do. Yeah. I I don't. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> there it was. I don't know what it was like being a professor there and how you viewed the students and, and the departments um, at APU, but there was there was definitely like, and I don't even think I realized while I was in it at the time, but like um, like this this sense that we were like figuring some stuff out that not everybody on campus knew, but like it seems so element because i still like i still voted for bush in 2004 because like i that was the, that was the first presidential election i i voted in because i was 17 in the, in the bush gore election right. but it was most like I, w- I wasn't like following the politics it was just because yeah. like it didn't feel safe to vote for a democrat yet something yeah. felt well wrong. i saw the signs a vote for bush is a vote for god on campus so how do you mm-hmm. argue with that, you know? Yeah, but I also saw Christians for carry stickers on people's um, backpacks, which oh, which at felt APU. yeah, I did. Which that wow. that felt, even though I wasn't willing to make that step, something about like there being conflict felt. I remember meeting a Christian who was a registered Democrat my freshman year and being like, "That's weird," but that felt good. Like yeah. I, don't, I and I don't know why at eighteen that felt good, but it felt good to be like, oh, like may, maybe me not knowing everything and things being more complicated felt like comforting or something like that. Like there huh. wasn't something I had to figure out. Yeah. Um, that it that it was a, like things being allowed to to be unknown were like that 
that was was comforting to me because yeah i I don't well i wouldn't have said that at the at at the i don't know i would but (laughs) my students did not like to hear anything that deviated from what they were taught you know it was was very unsettling to most people i think it would have been unsettling to me but almost like unsettling the way like a roller coaster is where it was like (laughs) like i i enjoy like i enjoyed the ride and it felt because because it was at apu it felt safe like ah, like if if i would, like, yep if if it was at cal berkeley i think it would have felt like being on a roller coaster without the, the harness yeah, yeah. on but it's like threatening but yeah but the fact that it was an evangelical university that was the that was the I harness see, yeah, yeah. um if, yeah, but if, even still and, I'm, I'm gonna call that maturity man because uh, <laughs> oh thanks my my especially freshmen and sophomores did not respond well when when they're forced to 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 think about something that you know they don't they don't agree with, well, so. dude, it's so funny. It it is, in, it is embarrassing, and it really shouldn't be because because um, most people don't break their indoctrination. You know, yeah, you know sure. what I mean. In, indoctrination sure. is a is a big is a big is a big thing and i and i don't mean that like we're champions for doing it because there are a lot of things that i'm probably not even aware that i'm indoctrinated to but mm. but it but it still is embarrassing <laughs> even yeah. though i even though i i know that um yeah it's it's funny i i wanted to uh tell you this this story right before coming on i was um you know putting the kids to bed and my my oldest um will sometimes sit and she's been reading books for school she's she's mm-hmm. nine and so i was sitting reading to her and i was like i was like hey i gotta i gotta leave early because i i'm gonna go do an interview like for a new job no 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 not that kind of interview yeah. um like somebody's somebody's interviewing about my experience in college and she goes oh the 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 first the first one or the second one uh, the first one uh. oh was that the the religious one I said, I said, yeah, and I said, yeah, they're gonna, you know, um, we're pretty open and honest with our with our kids, and I and I said, yeah, they're, um, you know, how is the it was a religious Christian college, and they, um, uh, he wants to interview people that worked there and that went to school there that maybe think or believe a little bit differently than than they did back when they're in school. And I said, yeah, and, and some of these things are, you know, can be a little tough to, to talk about. And she, she goes, are you going to talk about some of those tough things? And I said, yeah. And then she gets really quiet and she goes white and she goes, do you think somebody is going to want to kill you for the things you say? Like they did that beetle oh, who no. was, who was saying, and I was like, I was like, no, I was like, I was like, first of all, John Lennon was very, very famous and talking about really big things I, I was like nobody knows who i ever cares what i'm saying about anything but she's she's a worrier and with the beatles documentary we've been talking about the beatles and like wow, and, awesome. and all like and that but like that that i i was equal parts like oh don't be, don't be upset yeah. <laughs> no yeah, yeah. But no, I, no. it made it made me it made me laugh to to think about like are you gonna say things that get you killed like john lennon no no uh, <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the, the, well, it just mildly annoy a lot of people, but that, that's about yeah. it. So. Hope, I'm I'm hopeful that um that over time your book gets a bunch of readers and that um the the podcast is um something that's helpful to people and that's also yeah um gets you quite a few listeners, Scott. Oh well, thank you. Um, 
yeah, the podcast is definitely... It was like a whim, but like I'm finding it to be really healing for me and for the people who can tell their stories. So I hope it it was helpful to you to, to talk so, about. So much. I most of most of my talking about this stuff is either through text with friends or, or online. So I rarely get this isn't even in person, but I rarely have this kind of conversation face to face. So so no, this is this is a lot of fun for me and um yeah. it's it's so i really appreciate um you uh inviting me to do this bj is a physical therapist now and lives in colorado springs with his wife carrie and their three kids in his follow-up email he says his life is filled with hobbies like distance running cycling taking movies too seriously and obsessing over the past and present of pop and rock and roll music i can totally relate he enjoys drinking coffee and beer outside with Carrie and apologizing to his kids for using, quote, grown-up words. And BJ, if your kids are listening, cover their ears so I can say that our conversation was fucking amazing. Tune in next week to hear my friend Dacia, who has one of the most epic stories ever told. If you don't smile when she's talking about a poem that she wrote. If you don't laugh, but if you don't smile, man, I don't know. This this is pretty amazing. So tune in next week, and thanks again for listening. This episode brought to you by Testaments, because, fuck, I don't know. <laughs>